Nikki Glaser, Tom Segura. I mean, those are really the main two who I've kind of followed who show up there, but just like a lot of big name comedians. Beth Stelling is another one. People's names are not coming to mind. It doesn't matter. This story is about Nikki Glaser and me and our best friendship. Welcome to Peaking. I'm Jess, your host, and maybe even your new best friend. And on each episode of Peaking, through conversations with my guests, myself, and my listeners, I'm going to be exploring those low moments in life that are actually our greatest chances to peak. It's the podcast I've been missing, and I have a feeling I'm not the only one. The type of self help that doesn't take itself too seriously. This is Peaking. Hey, fam. Or should I say peekaboos? No, actually what I'm going to say is booze, but we are going with peekaboos. I want to make this announcement. I know that in the last episode I said that I would run a poll and I did not do that because I just made an executive decision because that's what executives do. Um, (laughs) Just from the feedback I've been getting and from feeling out different name suggestions that have come through and that I've kind of spoken out loud to myself. I decided that booze feels comfortable to me. Like I love writing on my Instagram stories like, okay, booze, this is what's happening. So that's what we're going to go with. Since you are a listener from the beginning, you know that booze comes from peekaboos, but some people might never know that. And so that's a little fun tidbit that you get to have as an insider. I am still also going to use the term fam as more of a like collective term because it just feels good to me. It rolls off the tongue. So between booze and fam, we have our words of affirmation covered in this in this group, in this listener base. So I want you to know we've settled on it. We meaning I, that's it. Hi booze. <laughs> Welcome to episode four of Peaking. I missed you over the past couple weeks since I released the last one. Thanks for the, again, words of affirmation about my idea to do an episode, every other episode by myself, Um, the Just Thoughts series. I am excited about it. It feels good to me. That being said, I'm also happy to have a guest on this episode and we'll get to that in a second. But I want to give you a bit of the inside scoop on the exciting things, mostly one exciting thing that happened to me in the past couple weeks since we last talked and I posted all over the internet about it. So I'm sure you're kind of aware and many of you are actually here because of this exciting thing. Okay, let me stop being cryptic and just tell you, I met somebody who I low-key idolize, Nikki Glazer, who's a huge comedian. She also has an awesome podcast that I listen to religiously. She releases episodes every single day, Monday to Thursday, every week. So it's pretty much a daily radio show. Like, I think that's the vibe she's going for. And I have been listening since they started it a couple months ago. I really love it. I also really love her comedy. She's somebody who's known for just speaking, like being really outspoken and being really herself and kind of pushing the boundaries for women in comedy and for people in general in comedy. And um, I admire that about her. Anyway, so I was in L.A., for a week during my few week road trip along the coast of California. And we went to a comedy show that we knew Nikki was headlining. 
It was at Supernova Comedy, which is a really cool, kind of intimate outdoor venue in Hollywood. So we get there. The show's great. I could talk a lot more about that, but I'm going to cut to the chase. At the end of the show, Nikki headlined. It was awesome to see her live. I've never seen her live before. I do have tickets to see her in Chicago, though, in the fall. And that's going to be on her big tour that she has coming up. But this was more of a practice run type of show for her where she was testing new material and she kept saying throughout her set like this is really rough this isn't what you guys paid for like I'm just working through these jokes this joke doesn't even have a punchline yet she was really real with the audience which for me as a comedy nerd and somebody that looks up to her was so cool to see like I was grateful to be there to watch her process and that's also some of what I get from listening to her podcast and I was able to see connections between stuff she's talked about on the podcast and stuff that she's incorporating into her stand-up. And that was really cool for me to just see how she's working through all of that. So she got off the stage. She was giving off a vibe of like she didn't think she did that well and she thinks that the crowd's probably disappointed by that set. And uh, when we were walking out of the venue, she was right in front of us getting out to the parking lot. So we got out there and for a few moments, it was just me and Kate her and her mom in the parking lot. And she I could tell she didn't want to talk to anyone. She actually said that on her podcast. I'll get to that later. So I didn't want to overly bother her, but I was also like, this is somebody that I am obsessed with. I have to say something. So I just yelled like, Nikki, I love your podcast. She turned around. We had this whole conversation. She said she'd give me a shout out in her next podcast episode, which would be coming out the next day. And I was like, that's insane. This was the greatest moment of my trip and like a top moment in my life. So cool. We had a full conversation. We were vibing. We said, love you, bestie, at the end. She calls her listeners besties. So anyway, flash forward a couple days. Flash forward? Fast forward. I always do that. Okay, anyway, a couple days later, it's the morning (laughs) on a Tuesday. I go to listen to her Monday night episode of the Nikki Glaser podcast. And within the first like 30 seconds, she says, she gives me the shout out. And she's like, I met Jess in the parking lot at this show. She was really great. And I was like, oh, cool. Nikki followed through on it and actually gave me the shout out. Like, this is amazing. I was so excited about that alone. I put it on my Instagram story because that's what you have to do. And Then I had to go meet up with a friend for coffee. So I paused her episode, went and did that, got back in the car, kept listening. And a few more minutes into the episode, she references me again. And this time she goes through our whole conversation. And she's kind of talking about how much it meant to her because she felt that her set that night was not going to satisfy the audience and the fact that I was so thrilled to see her and wasn't disappointed at all by her set and found it really cool that she was working through material which is what I talked to her about in the parking lot kind of like uplifted her in that moment and I felt really I just thought that was really cool because she's somebody that uplifts me by listening to her comedy and her podcast and the fact that I could in some small way like make an impact on her was just really special and that she was talking about it and sharing it with the rest of the audience. It was so freaking cool. And it also reminded me that even people that we look up to who are really successful and famous and like are doing the things that we really want to do, they still have those feelings of self-doubt when they're being vulnerable and trying something new, especially in a creative field where you're trying to be authentic to yourself, but it's also really scary to do in front of an audience. And that's sometimes how I feel doing this podcast. Like I, I just create this stuff and talk about this stuff in a vacuum in my apartment. 
and then I put it out there and I hope that it's received well. And she's doing that too in a lot of ways, but she also did it live on a stage. And there's almost more pressure that comes with that as somebody who people have expectations of. So just like seeing her talk through that in real time, both when I spoke with her in person and then when she reflected on it on her podcast and the fact that I got to be a part of this like process for her on that particular night was really cool and a good reminder for me as somebody who's kind of going through this stuff right now. So anyway, then I keep going about my day. I didn't get to continue her podcast. I had to go do something else. I got back in the car a little bit later, kept listening, and she mentions that I had sent her a DM that night after the show, which is true. When I got home, I felt like I want to kind of reemphasize the stuff that I said to her in person because I don't know if I was coherent because I was talking to one of my heroes. So I wrote a DM afterwards that kind of like emphasized the same things and said that I'm somebody who's tried out comedy before and just started my own podcast and I look up to her. All that sappy stuff. So on her episode, she literally references this DM and then goes on to read it in full. She and her team, Andrew Collin, who's another awesome comedian, and Noah, I don't remember Noah's last name, but she's their producer. And they're all just, you know, saying how sweet, what a nice message. And when I referenced my podcast in the message, which I didn't name drop, I didn't try to self-promote at all because that wasn't the point. I just wanted to like have this genuine moment of connection with someone that I admire Um, But when she read that, she mentions to her producer, hey, Noah, can we find out what Jess's podcast is called? And within moments, Noah pulls it up. It's tagged in my Instagram bio, so I've made it easy and says it's called Peaking. She reads the tagline, self-help that doesn't take itself too seriously. Nikki's like, I love it. Everyone go follow Bestie Jess's podcast, Peaking. So she's doing great stuff. And Jess seemed fucking cool as shit. And I was just like, oh, my God, Nikki thought that about me and went out of her way to shout me out and shout out my podcast and look it up in the first place and it was just crazy and I was kind of like finding this out step by step over the course of my day last Tuesday because I kept having to pause her episode and go live my life and then come back to it so I kept posting like the next component of it on my Instagram story and it just felt like whoa every hour something even crazier happens so it was really cool and I wanted to just tell that story from my perspective and talk a little bit about what it meant to me and I mean the biggest most tangible thing that came out of it is our family here our booze uh grew by almost two times so to everyone that's listening today who came over from Nikki's recommendation and from the Nikki Glazer podcast bestie crew Thank you for being here. I hope that you enjoy it. Thanks to all of you who messaged me and and told me that you're here from Nikki and that you're enjoying what I'm doing so far. It really means a lot. Keep talking to me. I always respond. I'm not getting enough DMs to not respond, but even if I start to, I will always respond because so much of this is about opening myself up to connect with you guys and to form a community that gets each other. And so the fact that that community is growing is really cool and I owe a lot of it to somebody who's a hero of mine and that's just insane that that happened so my trip could have been a bust otherwise and if that happened it would have all been worth it but also my trip was really great and I'll reflect more on it in probably the next episode that's just just thoughts um, because I need to get to the bulk of what we're here to talk about today 
So with that, I'm going to turn it over to my chat with one of my best friends, Kate Berman. She is someone who, I mean, you'll see, we introduce her. I don't need to, I don't need to over preamble this. Thanks guys for being here as always. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Kate. All right, let's welcome Kate to the show. Hi, Kate. Thank you for being here early morning. Hi, good morning. Good to see you again. I miss you in my home. I know. For for the audience, we just spent a week, a magical week together in LA. I was there visiting on my Cali road trip that you guys have heard about, and I stayed with Kate for a whole week. And it's funny because we were intending to do this podcast recording while I was there, but sound issues. I don't know. It turned out that Zoom is actually the way to do it. So now we're doing it over Zoom and I'm back in Chicago. <laughs> But it just can, it means we can extend our time together. So Kate, before we jump in, I was hoping that you could just introduce yourself a little bit, let the audience know who you are, what you care about, and then we'll go from there. Ooh, such a big question for the morning. Okay. Um, (laughs) I'm Kate. I just moved to LA a little less than two months ago. I packed my life into my car after living in Logan Square, Chicago for the past five years and just drove out with everything I own to start fresh in this vibrant city. Um, What else? Oh my gosh, so many things I care about, namely my friends, the sun, a good yoga session, journaling, um, honestly, just various forms of connection and moving my body and, you know, talking to people like Jess and being here. I love it. The one thing you left out is bread. Oh, oh my gosh. When you moved to LA, you were like, I have to find my bread provider. It was like a key. It was. And I found, I did find my bread home and my pizza home. Shout out to Dela Nona. Everybody in LA, check it out. It was really good. I went there, Dela Nona. Oh, I guess it was their pop-up in Santa Monica and they're moving locations to the arts district. This is a huge shout out for them. Okay. I have But okay, thank you for that introduction. I love all the things you care about. And I feel like when you were talking about connection, especially, that's something that you and I have bonded over. And we're both kind of on our own journeys to find what we can do with our lives that bring us closer to having connection. I also feel like that's a lot of how we met and became friends. Um, So for that background, I met Kate at our last job, uh, the job that I just left and the one that she left before taking a new one in LA in Chicago almost three years ago. And I've given this story in various forms of when I moved and was really kind of going through my own peaking journey at that time of going through a breakup, moving to a new city, not knowing anyone. And Kate was somebody who really like saw me and pulled me out of my my hiding. I was, I was scared, I think. And I just like, wasn't myself. And she really took an interest in getting to know me and helped, helped me to open up a ton. She's also somebody who like, she is so good at connection. She connected me with the comedy studio that I ended up doing a stand-up class at. She is just like always thinking of ways to connect people to opportunities and other people that might help them grow. And so she's somebody who really represents peaking in a lot of ways to me in my life and just in general. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we had a heart to heart on the rooftop of our old work building, um, which feels like another world away at this point. But we just both Mm -hmm. 
talked about life and the richness and deepness that we were seeking and we just like saw in each other that growth and that potential to step into what we wanted and not just talk about it that's why it's so cool now like two or three years later to see Jess to see you in this place because you're literally living exactly what we talked about on that rooftop from signing up to the comedy class to you know, finally writing these ideas down and sharing little notes with me over the past few years of what you would talk about. And now you're just doing it. And it's so beautiful. Uh, <laughs> goosebumps. <laughs> Thank you. So with all of that background, which kind of, as we touched on in and of itself, holds a ton of peaking moments. I want to jump into more recently, like within the last year, the pandemic kind of accelerating how both you and I have decided to pursue those things that we want and like let go of things that were no longer working for us. I've talked a little bit about my journey with that. And I know that you also have gone through a lot of growth and change over the past year as kind of pushed forward by the pandemic. So do you want to give us a little background and we can just go from there? Yeah, let's let's dive in. Um, yeah, this past year, I think for everyone has been a huge year of um, asking all the questions and re-examining what we want and need and how we communicate those things with one another and with ourselves. And so um, I, for the first time, yeah, I think like a lot of people had a really tough time for a few months that I would now categorize as definitely um, anxiety and forms of depression. Mm-hmm. That was super new for me. Um, and I'm very humbled by that experience of dealing with that mental health place. But I think what that really taught me is one, the duality that exists within myself and between human beings where, you know, we, we've talked about this just like holding the tension of opposites and being in that place where I was feeling so, you know, what I was saying was not myself, but actually is a part of myself in some ways, just not the part that feels as flowing and abundant as I normally do. So it was really interesting to observe and sit with the fact that you can be many things at once, right? Like you can be feeling this certain way while also feeling gratitude or positivity or whatever it is. And so I think it's interesting looking back and reading my journal from like January, like how low and off and turbulent everything felt in my life, such a stuckness and scarcity mindset to now fast forward a few months later. And it just like could not be a more kind of opposite or different journey but I think I keep coming back to knowing that place I was in and knowing what that looked like and how just time and energy and also like I think giving myself that space to actually sit in it and write it out and talk to people about it and feel it deeply allowed me to get through it in a way that created growth as opposed to just expecting it to go away overnight or trying to have like a quick fix that was going to make it go away overnight. So I think it actually, it was something that didn't feel good at all in the time, but now I'm so just like humbled and humbled by that experience dealing with all of that and have even more of like a richness and joy, I think, because of being in that kind of pit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a ton of thoughts and questions already from just that. I really like how you shared that even when you, what we often describe as not feeling like ourselves, 
is actually still like a moment in our lives. So it is ourselves, you know, it's a low moment and it's how we react to difficult things happening around us, but it is a part of us. Right. And then seeing yourself be so different from that only a few months later is also a part of yourself, but kind of like accepting that completeness and that whole, the holistic view of who you are when you're going through something hard and when you're going through something joyful and also saying yes to that journey of getting yourself from the low place to the higher place. So I really like that distinction. And I'm wondering if you could share a little more about how you tackled getting yourself out of that low moment. And you also mentioned like it was kind of the first time that you had experienced anxiety and depression. And so how did you recognize that? And what was that process? Like how long did it take you to label it? And then what did you do from there? I think that would be really helpful for people to hear if you're open to sharing. Yeah. Well, a few, yeah, a few things. It was definitely, I think it first started coming up in July and I just noticed I was having like conflict with a bunch of people. And I was like, that's interesting. And it was totally rooted in this like scarcity mindset and this inability to actually communicate what I need and how I needed it in a way that was working with other people because I was in that place. And so that was the first time it came up where I was like, why is all this conflict going on? What's going on? And I was, I was not feeling like I was showing up as I, you know, normally do. And then I'd say I went on this magical road trip in October for three weeks in between um, jobs. And I was filled with absolute like top joy, like every single day waking up outside, um, just appreciating every single moment. And it was the first time I'd felt like that, that whole year, just waking up under the sun and realizing how sometimes simple joy can be and what joy and a full life can feel like. And so when I returned back from that trip, it just almost immediately started into my low point. I was now coming off of coming into Chicago, second wave of pandemic. We were going to be stuck inside again for many months. It was about to get cold. I had just started a new job, which was exciting, but also a lot of pressure and in a remote setting. And so pretty much from October to January, I just really, really struggled. And, you know, for better or for worse, I'm somebody that really, I I give a lot and I care how other people are doing. And if I sense that somebody else is doing worse than me um, or needs something more, I'm just going to keep giving that because I in my heart, I'm like, you know, I'll be fine. I'm okay. Like, yes, I'm going through this, but like they need this more. So I was doing a lot of bending to other people's needs. And what that did was really, you know, take from what I needed so completely that I just got to this really bad place. So um, I'd say it was like overall, like really bad for three months, but um, asking how I got out of it, thank God I have amazing friends and family. I remember leaving you that voice note of that like poem I wrote about my gratitude for my friends, because it's so amazing when you don't recognize yourself and somebody you talk to on the phone or that you go on a walk with, which you were one of those people. Um, And a friend of mine in Milwaukee was one of those people like said to me, like, I still see you and I still see joy behind your eyes. And I still see that you're going to get back to this place that you, you know, are meant to be in. And so 
I got out of Chicago. I went to see my mom for a whole, I thought it was going to be a week. I just booked that flight literally the day before. It was like, I need some sunshine and mom therapy. Um, and while that was beautiful, of course, just simply, you know, sometimes literally getting out of a situation can be life altering. And I encourage people that are in a really stuck situation to see how a new place could offer a shift in perspective. For me, it it was looking back, it was absolutely the right thing to do that I got out of my, you know, living situation and away from my partner at the time and had space just for me to really think and feel. But like anything, at least anything worthwhile, it's like there's no silver bullet. And I didn't, it wasn't fixed overnight. Every single, you know, almost every single day there, I was like crying to my mom and I didn't even know why. And I read this amazing book by a friend and I was in such a scarcity mindset that instead of, you know, I had the duality of all being like, this book is amazing. And then I was also thinking like, why didn't I write that book? Like (laughs) I should have written that book. So it was just like, I was in a hilarious place of just like, what's going on. But essentially then when I came back in February, um, that's when the wheels started to turn again. And I felt myself almost like coming back into my body almost like knowing that this move was coming up and knowing, I think, deep in my heart that my relationship was no longer working and realizing that by restarting therapy, I needed to actually have hard conversations and negotiate for what I needed with you know my roommate, my family members, with myself. And pretty much once I started doing that and just taking space for what I needed and sharing sharing that and not worrying so much about the reaction, knowing I can't control someone else's reaction, but I at least can control what I put out to the world. And you know, nobody's going to advocate better for myself than me. So why not start? So pretty much through a combination of journaling, researching therapy, having friends and, you know, family members that compassionately listened and felt and supported me through that and you know and then starting to make some some bigger life decisions about making a move and ending a relationship that was so beautiful for the two and a half years that it existed but that wasn't going to serve me in a romantic way um in my next chapter coming out to California I think that just opened a lot of new energy and kind of put me on this path of healing and growth and peaking that I'm now kind of riding on right now. Yeah, I I love all of that. Thank you for sharing it so openly. I think part of what I'm hearing towards the end of that is once you once something clicked where you're like, okay, I need to change, it all started to fall into place as you kind of spoke it into existence. Like you decided you needed to change and you started to talk to people about it and they kind of perhaps affirmed it or just like it gave you more confidence that you were on the right track. And then you started to actually make those changes for yourself and things started to flow when before you had been in such a, you had described it as like a, a stuck place, a place of stuckness and like it, it, nothing was flowing. And so I don't know. I think that that's such an interesting dichotomy of like going from feeling completely stuck to eventually over time realizing changes need to happen. And then once it's not a light switch, but it like looking back on it, it can kind of sound and feel that way because you're like, oh yeah, then I snapped out of it and I made these things happen and I changed these things and 
I got better. I do want to add actually the one light tool. It was funny because throughout the pandemic, I was talking to my twin sister and she would sort of just like, tell me like, well, you should then do this. And like, I was hearing all the advice and I knew it, but I just like, couldn't, like, I couldn't do those things in that moment. And so sometimes it just takes somebody keep reminding you that you like can do things until you're eventually in a place where you can absorb it. And I'll say that the one light switch moment I had actually was literally allowing myself to acknowledge how low I was. So I was on the phone with a friend who's actually a PA and she, she sent me um, the GAD7 and the PHQ9, which are anxiety and depression, like metrics that measure your levels. And she said to me, and she's like, I offer this with, you know, compassion, but like, I, I, I want you to take these and, you know, maybe see where you're at realistically, because you're telling me, you know, it's, you're, it's okay. I'm such like a self-soother. She's like, I want you to take these. And I, I took them and it was a wake up call to where I was really at and how low it really was. And that's when I like rebooked the therapy appointment again. And really just like, I fully comprehended, like, this is where I'm at. And it was literally the day that I acknowledged that low and had my first like call therapist, honestly, straight up the next day, I was already telling my mom, I was like, mom, I don't know what it is, but I think I just like needed to acknowledge how bad it was. And I was already starting to feel lifted again. And I, I wasn't naive to just assume that that was just going to like keep, you know, this upward trajectory was going to keep going. It was pretty fascinating because that is the only light switch moment I think I did have where in fully hearing what my friend compassionately said to me of like, I think that this is more serious than you're making it. And I want you to be aware and acknowledge and like, you know, start that therapy process again. And then me accepting, acknowledging that. And then, you know, having that first appointment with my therapist again, after a few months of pausing um, because of health insurance our society is weird, then I was fully able to, you know, move forward once I had fully sat with and accepted where I was at. Yeah. There's something to like naming our feelings and being able to put a label on it. And I almost hate to say that because I resist labels and putting things in boxes and all of that as much as I possibly can. But I also recognize that as human beings, raised in the society that we've been raised in, we are used to and most comfortable with labeling things and putting them in boxes. And I think I've said this on a previous episode in a different context as well. And there's some, there's like power in naming our feelings and being able to say, this is anxiety. This is depression. I'm feeling it this far along on the spectrum, this much more than I have felt it before, whatever it might be. And then once you acknowledge that there's freedom in like kind of putting that behind you. I'm curious, what do you think your resistance to naming it or accepting it for how bad it was? Like, where do you think that was coming from? I mean, I honestly think I knew what was going on. It just was like my first time. And so whenever something's your first time, you're like, what is going on? And there were just so many factors at play, right? Like there was, like I said, like I'd just been camping outside in beautiful places in you know national parks and then I was stuck inside for months and then it was getting cold or like I'd had this you know three weeks of freedom whatever and then I was kind of stepping back into a sort of you know a relationship that was struggling a little bit I was stepping back into 
you know, some roommate dynamics that were challenging. I was stepping back into a new job. So it was hard for me to, I think the biggest thing about this year, it was so hard for me to trust myself. And, you know, I, I, why trusting yourself is everything, like believing and listening to what you want and like practicing that mind, body, spirit, awareness, and connection. As we talked about, like connection is not just with other people, but the biggest form of connection is like with yourself. And I was unaware or sorry, unable to fully connect deeply with my intuition because acknowledging certain things that were going on was, you know, it was easier sometimes to just sit in um, that discomfort than acknowledging, like, I think my relationship needs to end, or I'm going to have a really hard conversation with my roommate, or um, maybe I should look into medication or any of those things. Like it, it was hard to do that. But once I stepped into that knowing again and just began to trust what I was feeling and thinking was real and true and had been real and true for months, it just opened up everything for me. I think part of the trusting yourself dilemma might stem from the fact that we were going through something collectively that we've never gone through before. I have so many friends who over the past year have struggled with making decisions about relationships, jobs, whatever it might be. And including myself, I mean, I felt that way when I was making the decision of leaving my job and and embarking on this journey. It's like, am I just feeling this way because we're in a pandemic (laughs) or am I feeling this way because I'm feeling this way at this juncture of my life? Or maybe it's both and maybe I'm allowed to feel this way. It's the, it goes back to duality. Like both things can be true, right? I'm feeling this way. Yes. It's compounded by the fact that we're experiencing this pandemic and it's something I've never experienced before, something I could have never expected to experience, but that doesn't change or limit or devalue the feelings that I'm going through. I'm still going through them. I still have to address them, but I think like it was really hard for people to trust themselves going through that because We wanted to just say, oh, this is temporary and it's something external to me, which, which was a mind fuck, honestly. Well, honestly, what helped me kind of get back to trusting myself in the end kind of was my own thought. So I do keep a journal practice, not like, you know, just organically. And I read back my old journal entries and it was so validating to be like, yeah, what you thought in July or August, that's still what you think now. And you were right, you know, or I even read pre-pandemic stuff and was like, yep, like this isn't just the pandemic. This is, this is your thoughts and you should listen to them. And even though it can be scary to listen to them and then have to take action based on what you now know and are open to knowing, um, oh, it was just such a gift that I had those words down because it allowed me to step back into what I already knew. Completely. Yeah. And I think journaling is something that I like admire that you do quite a bit because I have tried many times and never been able to commit to it. But I guess for me, therapy has been that type of like pulse check and additional like record of what I've been thinking and feeling because my therapist will hold me accountable to things that I've said and felt. And we kind of have like this ongoing dialogue that is where the truth is stored in a lot of ways for me. And I feel like journaling for you is that. And talking about therapy, you referenced it earlier and you also referenced 
how speaking with friends and family helped you as well. Do you have a perspective on like where friends and family can really help versus where therapy can help versus where journaling and your own thoughts can help? Like, how do you parse through, okay, I'm getting some advice from my friends, but I don't know if I'm ready to take it yet. Or they're, they're giving me good things to think about, but I also need to kind of make my own decisions. So I'm just wondering like how that all works together for you. Yeah. I mean, I think like anything, it's just like the holistic view, right? It's like all of those pieces are so important. Like first and foremost, it's important that you start, that I start with like, what am I feeling and what is going on for me? And so that's what like journaling is. It's a form of processing and understanding my emotions and sitting with that. And then it's like using friends and family to kind of discuss these ideas and, you know, explore more deeply and in an external way. Um, you know, this is what's going on for me and with people that know and love you and that you feel safe with. Um, I think the gift in friends and family is like I said, allowing them to be mirrors to my like inner me and positive, happy, optimistic self. Like that was truly when I would talk to on the phone or go on a walk with people like you. And I could just tell that you saw me in my completeness and not just in this like broken shell of a human that I felt like that was so beautiful. Or even like my mom, like being with my mom and in that lowest month in January and her just like continuing to try to like show up for me and like she would write me notes just saying like I still see this like join you and just it was so meaningful to know that other people still saw that when I was having a hard time doing that and then where therapy came in when I restarted that it was like a floodgate moment where I just like was able to let all these super raw emotions out and I think what was what really unlocked it for me is my therapist was the one that said like you keep saying like, this isn't me and blah, blah. And she's like, all of it is you. And she's like, you even having that thought is like judgment on yourself of who you are and where you are right now. And I invite you to just accept that. And, you know, I think that radical acceptance that can be offered through a third party was really freeing. That's great. And it makes me think of this question. (laughs) It's funny. I had like a lot of questions written out and we might get to them or we might not, but this is like a great conversation. I want to take it in this direction. So to me, like when we first met, you struck me as such an optimistic person, such a positive person, such a warm person. You're somebody who brought that joy to me when I was in a low place and pulled me out of it. And then we were both just like these joyful balls of energy at our office. And like, we were annoying. (laughs) We were the fun table. Like everybody wanted to, they're like, they're having a good time over there in that pod. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, you've been known by, by your friends, including myself, by probably your family and by, I think yourself as an optimist and a positive person. And that's so much of, I think, your identity typically. And so did that present like a weird pressure when accepting that you were going through this darkness, like, oh, I have to stay this positive person because that's who I've known myself to be. And then therefore that maybe made it harder for you to accept labeling those feelings, those dark feelings. I'm just, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I'm just curious if anything like that was going on. 
No, it totally was going on. I, like I said, it was like this identity crisis of like, wait a second, like, you know, I am so positive and whatever. And what, what's interesting though about that is like, I actually still remained that person in a weird way. Um, and that's where the duality came in. Like, like I said, um, some of the people in my life really needed needed me and needed that support. And I think I was a huge source of joy and positivity too. I think my partner um, in ways like my roommate and I were that for each other. And like, you were still dropping off baked goods at my apartment <laughs> every <correct>. other week. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, stop baking for me and go like, take care of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like I still, um, that was, so, it was so interesting about it. I was like, this is fascinating. Like I am still this, I knew I was this positive and joyful person, but that was not what was presenting first and foremost. And that was new for me. That was new for me to be like, okay, I know this piece of me is there somewhere and I'm still exercising it. But what's at the forefront is actually this highly emotional, highly anxious, like um, struggling person. And that was new for me. But I think that's where like duality comes in and like the power of the paradox is like holding the tension of opposites. Like I can actually be these two things at once and being in this sad and difficult place does not take away from my whole personhood. And it was actually funny because I was texting my mom yesterday, um, just thanking her for all of that. And she goes, I could still sense the hope and positivity hidden within your status self. So sweet. And it was just like such a beautiful, you know, like I said, it's like friends and family are everything in that way, mirroring back to you, you and your fullness. And I'm really grateful actually to my partner, uh, my ex-partner in that way, because he allowed me to show up in all of my holistic complexities of being that um, really, you know, lowest version of myself and also appreciating me for the gifts that I had to offer in that time. And I think um, I'm just super grateful to him for really allowing me to be my full self and loving me so fully through all of it. Like that is such a gift. Yeah. He's a listener. Shout out. Shout I, won't, out. I won't say his name in case, you know, privacy stuff, but we love you. We love you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So wrapping up, I think we probably just have time for one more question, but I really want to get it in now looking kind of towards the future and having reflected on that time period and gone through that growth and that peaking. And now you're here at this place where you're thriving and you're joyful and you're exploring new parts of yourself and just like really appreciating the life around you kind of, how do you look, how do you think about moving forward? Um, two parts of that question. The first is I've talked in a previous episode with Sarah Schwarzchild about like the concept of a happiness plateau. Do you feel like you'll ever, you're, you're going to get to, or you're in or whatever, a point where you're just bored with being happy <laughs> and you like want to go through like major change and growth again. I'm kind of curious if you have any like anticipations about that. And then just secondly, like, how do you think moving forward whenever there are hard things you go through and new, new moments of hardship and darkness that you'll eventually encounter? Like, how do you think having gone through this past year, you'll be able to approach those? Yeah. Um, those are both great questions. One, the happiness plateau that's super interesting. I definitely have been in that place before. Um, right now I am like absolutely just falling in love right now. Like I'm in the falling in love phase. I am just like 
the phrase that keeps coming to my mind is just like overwhelming amounts of joy. Like every, every moment here, I just feel like I literally say to myself, like, I can't, I can't believe I live here. Like, I can't believe this is my life. You probably saw it when you visited me. I was just like, yeah, you're like, I don't know. You were like screaming to the beach. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this girl is on one. (laughs) I truly, I feel so just like filled up right now. I keep saying like talking about alignment and abundance. Like I, I, both of those words just feel so true. So right now I'm definitely, there is no plateau. Still on your way up. Yeah, I'm just stepping into all the things, but I mean, I'm still very much in the growth and transformation phase. Like I'm putting myself out there every single day and all the time to to make friends, um, to find the places and the people and spaces that are interesting and you know resonate with me. Um, to to still navigate and deal with you know lingering anxiety of coming off a pandemic and then all of a sudden plans are feel different and things like that. So. I'm definitely still on the journey of growth and transformation, um, but I'm just luckily in this space of such happiness right now. Yeah, to answer your second question, how I how I navigate these hard things in the future, um, I think two things that come to mind are one, just allowing that transition time and almost anticipating that transition time, like knowing when something happens and it's a hard thing, sit with it let it be hard, grieve it, do all, you know, like, just let that allow for that plan for that transition time almost like, no, it's going to be a transition. And I think that's what I actually did that with my whole, like moving cross country, like in my head, I kept being like, yeah, it's going to be a big transition. And I'm anticipating nights that I might be alone. Um, and you know, times where I'm like, where the fuck am I? I don't even know where to go for a walk yet. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and I, so I think that allowed me to then just everything that came my way was like, well, I had no expectations on it. I just, you know, all that. So one building in the transition time and then two, it comes back to that word trust. I just like my intuition is everybody's intuition is powerful. And as I keep growing as a human being, I just am learning how to connect with myself in a way that allows me to trust what's going on. And so I think um, giving myself those reminders in future situations of what am I feeling? What do I need? And trusting that answer, you know, using friends and families and therapists to like talk through those answers is fine. But like, ultimately, the only person that can help me and put me on the path that gives me what I need is me. So I think leaning into that trust is going to be essential. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's been a huge theme of honestly, this podcast and what I'm learning from like reflecting myself and then also talking with different people and my different guests and stuff is like, it often comes back to trusting yourself, trusting your gut, like finding it in within all the mess, whatever you want to call this concept of trust, however it manifests for you. Like it's so critical and it is something that you get in touch with more and more as you get older. And it's really powerful if you allow the space for yourself to do that. Awesome. I feel like there's so much more I could talk about and ask you, but we got to wrap up. This has been so great. And I'm so appreciative of just how much you were willing to share and open up. And I, I, I just really admire you and I'm proud of where you're at now. And I was so happy to see you in your new space last week. Um, So thank you for being here and for sharing. Thank you for hosting back at you. 
If you want more peeking, make sure you're subscribed so you get notified whenever a new episode goes live. You can find peeking on pretty much anywhere that you listen to your podcast, so Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. Bonus points if you rate and leave a review. That would really mean a lot to me. And finally, follow Peking on Instagram at Peking Podcast. I'm there every day and I'd love to hear from you. That's all. Thanks, fam. She got bangs like a boss, just walked in, didn't expect it. The stylist had a vision for her. She leaned in and now she looks like Catherine Zeta-Jones, Khloe Kardashian, <laughs> or Cece from New Girl. I don't know which, all of the above. <laughs> So honestly, if you combined all three of those people, (laughs) that's you. There's if that's me, (laughs) then I have been shooting way too low on the dating apps. (laughs) Honestly, you have. Yeah, we had that conversation. That's a whole other thing we'll unpack in a future episode.